Praise the Lord. What a great couple of songs there. What a tremendous message. Amen. Wow, that's good. Well, today it's Father's Day, and so I thought I would bring something a little bit more pointed to dads, but obviously it's going to reach out to each of us, and I think we can all glean from it and grow from it. But boy, we're certainly glad dads are here. We're glad moms are here too, though, and all even kids. That's good too. We're glad the young people are here. We're glad that the kids are here today too. But uh, I want to talk to you a little bit. I, I'm just going to, I'm not going to share anything that's really um, uh, so profound today. I mean, I'm going to give you mashed potatoes and gravy. I don't know about you, but I like real mashed potatoes and gravy. I talked about that the other day. I'll tell you what, give me the real stuff. So I'm going to just give you that. I, I still remember the birth of my first son. You know, you know how that goes, your first. You know, there's always something a little unique. Don't, don't take that as an offense, young people. You know, sometimes if you're the second, third, fourth, or ninth, or tenth around some of the people around here, but uh, you get the idea that, uh, boy, they always talk about that firstborn. You know, what about me? I'm special, right? Yeah, you're special. There's something unique about the firstborn because you've never experienced it before. It's kind of like the first bike you rode. How many remember the first bike you ever rode? Yeah, see, I mean, it's the first bike, right? First kid, you know, something special. And so I tell you, I still remember the weight of responsibility falling on my shoulders that day. I still remember as that child's coming, I'm thinking, man, oh man, it's not just me and it's not just my wife. Now I've got a, a kid that I've got to take care of and this isn't just something for a week or two or a month or a year. This is for, huh, seemed like forever. And honestly, when they get out of the house, you that have children that are out, out of the home, you know it doesn't end, does it? You're still concerned about them, you still think about them, you still pray for them, you're still 
in the corner. And then, then my second came along. Man, I mean to tell you, I, I was doing good, right? I mean, I grew up in a household of boys. There were four of us. And my dad, he grew up in a household of boys. And, and so we were all, you know, boys. You know, it was all about boys. You know, you can handle boys. And then all of a sudden, I had a girl. I mean to tell you, I still remember the fear that gripped my heart when she was born. You say, that's crazy. No, it was real. I still remember going, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. How do you raise a girl? And he said, he said listen, Mark, I... I think you're going to be all right. I'm in your corner. I'm there for you. And if I gave you a daughter, then I've given you the ability to do it. I mean, it'll be all right. And I was like, Ooh. I thought I'd been through it. I mean, I had the fear and I had the weight of responsibility that I thought. And then, I mean, I thought I'd kind of, I thought I was past all the surprises now. I had a boy. I had a girl. And then came my third. You talk about a surprise. It was one night, and I mean, I still remember uh, Sherry saying to me before we went to bed, we laid there, she said, you know, I just got this feeling. I got this feeling I'm going to go into labor. My wife's pretty good about those feelings. She got pretty good at that. And I said, wow, okay. She said, I think I'm going to take a shower. And she went and took a shower. She said, I think I'm going to have this baby tonight. So that's good. <laughs> the bad part is she went to use, she went into the restroom and I heard a cry from the restroom. I can't get up. So I carried my wife to the bedroom. We weren't getting to the hospital. I thought I had seen everything. I thought I was good to go, but all of a sudden I had a surprise. What's going to happen? She said, she says, what's going on? What's, what's it look like? What's going on? I said, we're having a baby. <laughs> Man, we got on that 911. Hey, we're having a kid. You got to get somebody over here now. I still remember it was a snowy night that night. And as I, I, I saw the lights coming, I just was like, hold on, hold on, honey. Just hold on a little longer. <laughs> and I remember going out and waving them down. We're up here. We're up here. Come on. We were in our two-bedroom apartment at that time, and, and I, they come around the corner, and the fire department arrives there, of course, the EMTs and all. And I mean, the first ones on the scene of the fire department, they come running in. They got those big jackets on, those helmets, and they got those big boots. You know how those big boots go up to their knees and all that stuff? I mean, you know what I mean? It makes a, you know, like a, a guy, it probably was only 145 pounds, but he looked like he's 320. I mean, he come running up those steps, you know, and I'm leading them up, come on, come on. I'm opening a sliding glass door. They run in. This guy literally runs in the house. He's like, and and I, I honestly don't believe this is an exaggeration. I still remember him literally running and jumping on the bed. It was like, wow, you got to be kidding me. What is going on here? And this dude looked like a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And it was just like, just like that, that baby come. Third one just, I mean, literally just, I mean, it was nothing. It was just like, catcher. 
I mean, it's like it had to be a receiver, you know what I mean? It's like, woo! I mean, wow. Our fourth one was pretty smooth compared to all of that. We walked around the hospital for a while, and my wife said, I'm not going to go there. I am not going back there until I know it's time to have this baby. So we walked around the hospital. She said, I'm going to do me some steps. They say steps are helpful. She's walking up and down steps all through the hospital. And so she's like, I think it's time. I'm like, well, how do you know that? I know. I said, after the last one, we better get there now. And we were already in the hospital, so we make our way there. Of course, I'm walking and she's walking. No, but anyway, so maybe, maybe not. Okay, so anyway, we get there, and, and, and they, they, they're like, uh, could you have a seat? And Sherry's like, I'm, I'm, I'm here to have a baby. And they're, they're, they're kind of like, you know, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and we're like, no, we're here now to have a baby. It's coming now. And they're like, yes, we understand. I said, ma'am, you don't understand. The last one we had was at home. And she went, oh. Well, let's get you back here. <laughs> and we got back there, and of course, the baby came. I mean, the doctor, hold on. Don't have that baby now. you got to hold on. Wait for your doctor. Wait for your doctor. I mean, you know, they're going crazy. You know. It was, I, don't think, I don't think Sherry, it was lickety-split again. Four kids. I, I mean, it was just crazy. You know, every child's a little bit different. Every child's special. Every child's unique. Today we gather, it's Father's Day. <laughs> and, and you know, we, we cannot in any way understand. We, I don't think we'll ever realize in this life how valuable, how important, and how essential dads are. It, it's like moms. I mean, we, we, we're not here to celebrate Mother's Day, but you don't, moms and dads are so valuable. And we're in a culture today where it just seems that, I mean, if you look at statistically speaking, we're looking at, Home after home after home where daddies are absent. And we wonder why our world's falling apart around us. I want you to know if you're a father today, you need to be a dad to your children. I want you to realize that they need you. Even if for some reason you've gone through a horrible divorce, even if you're somehow separated from, geographically speaking, you're not living in the same home or under the same roof, your children need you. They need the influence of their father. They need dad. You can't change everything, but you can make a difference where you can. Boy, how fathers are so needed today. They've always been needed, but it just seems that there is a void of dads. May God help us as believers to be the kind of dads God describes and he determines and says that we ought to be. You say, well, what's the message? Well, it has nothing to do with any of that. So let me give you some of the as I said, the mashed potatoes and gravy. I, I'm asking a question, a, a two-word question today. What if? What if? What if the Bible's true? What if the Bible's true today? You know, this is a book that I hold in my hand, and of course, it's like any other, except that a lot of times, very few books really have the kind of, I mean, this one has an ironed calfskin cover. It has a nice Bible, isn't it? I think it's like $60. And you know, most books aren't going to be $60 unless they're textbooks. 
And it's got a nice soft cover, and textbooks don't have those. They got hard covers. Or they got a flimsy back. This book is called God's Word. This book is what we call a Bible. And within it, we say that within it are contained literally the words of God. What if the Bible is true today? What if that book you hold in your hand is indeed God's Word? What if it is inspired, God-breathed? What if it is inherent, inerrant, and infallible? What if holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost? What if God... What if God created the heaven and the earth? What if he did that? What if he spoke the universe into existence? What if he spoke the world we live in into existence? What if he took man and he formed him of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life? What if? What if? What if every rock, hill, mountain, and valley is God's handiwork today? What if every bird, beast, and creature that roams, that crawls, that flies, was spoken into existence? What if there was a Garden of Eden and God placed man there to keep it? And he told man that you can eat of every tree of the garden except the one that's in the midst. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What if man ate of the fruit that was forbidden? What if he was removed from the garden? He began to age and he surely died. What if man continued in his sin and allowed it to go unchecked and corruption completely and totally saturated the earth. What if God repented of his creation in a sense and said, you know, I can't deal with it anymore. But he found a man by the name of Noah. And he said, that man, that man I will save him, his wife, and his children and their wives. And I'll begin it all afresh and anew again. What if there was a Tower of Babel? Where the people of the earth became so intelligent, and I don't believe that we are the most intelligent culture and society to ever grace the face of the earth. See, I don't believe in evolution. Evolution says that we started here and we continue to evolve upward. May I say that the Bible teaches that we started at the perfect plane with the Son of God, Adam, and ever since sin entered into the world, we've only digressed and become worse off. I don't believe that we're getting better. I believe we're getting worse in a sense. At least in the sense of sin. But what if? There was a Tower of Babel and mankind believed that they could reach heaven and reach God through their own effort and their own work. And God confounded the languages. What if God protected a little baby in Egypt and he became a man by the name of Moses and for 40 years he wandered on the backside of the desert until God spoke to him through a burning bush. 
What if he came back to Egypt and delivered Israel, God's people, out of the hand of Pharaoh? What if the ten plagues were indeed the ten plagues? That they weren't a figment of the imagination. That they were truly plagues that God brought about. What if? What if the Red Sea did part? What if the manna fell? What if the rock brought forth water? What if God gave Israel two tables of stone and wrote on them with his own finger the commandments? What if? What if David killed Goliath? What if Solomon built the temple? What if God became man? And was born in a lowly manger? What if the shepherds went and seen him there? What if the wise men followed a star to the place where Jesus was? I wonder, what if Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, leaving 12 baskets full in the end? What if he healed the sick and raised the dead? What if he, Jesus, lived a sinless, perfect life until being falsely accused unjustly tried, viciously attacked, and excruciatingly crucified. What if? What if he rose again the third day, as he said? Wow. What if he's coming back like he prophesied? What if there's judgment that awaits each and every one of us? What if? What if? See, if indeed it's all true, if, if it's all true, How would it affect your life? How would it affect your marriage if it was true? How would it affect your home? How would it change what was important to you if it's really true? I mean, would it change what you believe to be important for your kids? I mean, would your priorities for your children change if all that was true? If indeed Jesus is God in flesh, Emmanuel, if indeed he lived a sinless, perfect life and died on a cross to pay for the sin of the world, if he died for the church, if he gave his life for it, Would it change your priorities from what they are today if 
it's true. I mean, if, is what important to you today truly be as important tomorrow if this is really true? If indeed he did rise from the dead and if he did go back to be with the Father and promise to come again, if he was returning and if there was judgment that awaits us in eternity? If life does not end with the grave, if life is only a prelude to real living, what if? How would that affect your priorities today? I want you to know that this book, the Bible, is true. And everything in it is true. Turn your Bible now to Psalm chapter 119, verse 60, and I just want to read one verse. You say, why the what ifs? May I say this, and I want to say it, not only speaking to you, but with three fingers pointed back at me. Honestly, I don't believe I live the way I say I I believe. I believe there are times that I allow my priorities to slip. There are times that I think certain things are more important than they ought to be. There are times that I invest my time, my energy, my effort into things that really don't matter, if that is true. And then we as fathers need to be very careful today. If this is true. And I believe it is, according to this passage alone. And not only that, but we could take the time to look, as we've talked about in the past, historically speaking. We could talk about all kinds of means by which we've proven that there's something to this book. It's not just a, a bunch of passages that have been put together over a period of time by men or women or others who have decided that it's time to just put their thoughts on paper. No, that's not what this is. This is God-breathed. This is God's book. And the Bible tells us in this particular passage, Psalm 119, verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Chapter 119, verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. I wonder, again, if... Party told you I believe it's true, but if if it's true, would you make it a point, Dad, to learn it more? Would you spend more time reading, studying, memorizing, preparing? It's easy to say I believe the Bible's true. It's not even hard to say I believe that Jesus. Is God in flesh. I, it's not hard to say I believe he's coming again. What I found in life is things that I truly, really believe, the things that I really hold on to dearly, those things affect how I act, how I live. They affect my priorities. They affect my direction in life. They affect what's valuable to me. I wonder, do you believe this book enough to learn it, Dad? I mean, if, 
if someone here in the crowd would stand up and, 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 or I would invite someone to come in and say, make sure you've prepared five biblical questions for each and every dad. Not super hard, just decent. And I, and I want you to have them answer it and give you a scripture where it is in the Bible. I wonder if we would take you and stand you in front of the church right now and that gentleman or that lady would say, all right, here's question number one. What's your answer? What's your response? I wonder if you'd go, well, I don't know. I have no clue. What if they just ask questions like this? When's the last time you read more than a chapter in your devotions? When's the last time you memorized a scripture? When's the last time you, you fill in the blank? I'm just asking you, if this is really true, then why doesn't it affect what we learn in our lives as men? How's come it is we know everything about the ball team. We know everything about work. We know everything about the need for education. We know everything about so many things, but we know nothing about God's word, it seems. Oh, I know all the stories. I know, but can you tell me where they're at in the Bible? I'm saying, what depth? Where do we go? Our Christianity, it seems, is like about an inch thick, 10 miles wide and 100 miles long. There's no depth. Learn it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Man, that's a command of God. God is having his servant Timothy tell us, Study to shew thyself approved unto God. This isn't about you impressing your wife. It isn't about you impressing your pastor. It's not about impressing your Sunday school class. It's about impressing God. If indeed he's God and this book is true, then why is it we don't learn it like we ought to? What if? What if we did? How would it change our lives? How would it change our marriages? How would it change our homes? How would it change our children? How would it ultimately change our culture? If it's, in, if it's real... If we believe it to be so, wouldn't we learn it? If we believe it to be so, wouldn't we live it? Wouldn't we live it? You say, well, I'm living it. I'm here today. I know, but what are you going to do tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? I mean, how does it affect your language at work? How does it affect your attitude in the home or your attitude on the job? How does it affect your actions? I mean, what if this is really God's word? We would be learning it, wouldn't we? If we believed it was, we'd be learning it. But if we learned it, we would then live it, would we not? I mean, if we're really convinced that he's coming back, if we're really convinced we're going to stand before him in judgment, if we're really convinced that everything we say, do, and think is going to be before God and an open book in his sight, my goodness, what are we doing then about it? Why are we living it? What's wrong with us? Do we just not believe it? Or have we just not thought about it enough? Dads, we need some dads that... Learn the word of God. We need dads that will live the word of God. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You and I both know the children know when it's fake or when it's real. They're pretty good at that. 
Finally, if, I mean, what if we did learn it? What if we did live it? How would it affect our lives? How would it affect your marriage? How would it affect your family? How would it affect your children if you learned it and lived it? But wait, that's not where it ends, is it? One last one. If we really believe it, wouldn't we, in a sense, lead it or lead others in it? Look, if you were to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. What are responsibilities dad have, dads have today? And what are responsibilities dads have always had? I thank God for strong women in the home. I thank God for strong leadership in the home from the ladies and spiritual leadership. And at times, sometimes they unfortunately have to step up even and be the leaders in the home because dads won't or fathers won't or husbands won't. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think a woman's not a good woman because she steps up and does what a man won't do. I'm glad there's somebody who'll step up and do what needs done. But let me tell you this. Dads, it's time that you and I as believers, if we truly believe this book, if we, we honestly say that this in, is, indeed is true, that we start leading in it. Deuteronomy 6, notice what it says, verse 6 through 9. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. See, that's where it starts. It starts in your heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be fauntlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Now, it begins, as we said here, shall be in thine heart. It is not hard to believe what we've talked about in our heads. We can consciously, intellectually grasp the idea that the Word of God is true, that those miracles had to be miracles, that you couldn't have fooled that many people through history. You couldn't have had people that would have given their lives for something that they believed to be a lie that long. I mean, there's just so many reasons, just the preservation of Scripture itself. There's so many reasons why we say we believe it, but intellectually, you may have a handle on it and you can say with authority, oh, I believe that this and I believe that and I believe this and I believe that. There's a difference between it being in your head and being in your heart. May I say, dads, today, we need dads who have the word of God in their heart, who believe it with their heart. Because until you believe it, not just with your head, not just with your heart, should I say, not until you believe it with your head and heart, will it ultimately affect your hands. What if all this is true? I mean, what if we learned it? What if we lived it? What if we led our families in it, our children in it? What if all of it was true? How important is the Bible to you and your family? Well, what role does it play? What place does it have in your home? How important is a relationship with Christ and obedience in his word to you? I can guarantee you this, it won't be important to your children if it's not important to you. Years ago, my dad, when I was growing up, he loved football and he coached football. And my dad was a good coach. 
He really did. He saw success in the teams he coached, and I was impressed by that. And I thought, man, my dad really knows football. He really loves football. And I, I tell you what, I fell in love with it because my dad loved it. So often our children fall in love with the things we love. By the way, Dad, that's why you better treat your wife the way you ought to. I can't understand why my son is so disrespectful to my wife. Uh, make sure you're not the reason. How do you show your love to her? How significant is the house of God in your life? Well, it's, you know, it's important. It's just, you know, I mean, I've got other responsibilities. Okay. Okay. What if this is really true, though? What if? Won't it change that? I wonder, did Jesus die for the workplace? Or did he die for the church? Did he give his life for a summer home or did he give his life for the church? I'm just kind of curious. What's motivating us? What's moving us? Is it really these truths or is it something we bought into? Something we believe to be important? I mean, how significant is that? How valuable is, is a pastor and a people to encourage and equip you in the faith? How important is that to you? How, how crucial is it that you make the Bible big in your marriage? How important is that to you? Or big in the home or big in the family by spending time together as a family in the Bible regularly? How, how important is this? If, if this is really God's word, then why is it that it's not important to memorize a scripture or to make your children memorize scriptures? How's come the Bible is like, like optional in our home and in our families and in our lives? How's come we expect our kids to brush their teeth and go to school and learn their ABCs, but we don't expect them to know the Bible? What is wrong with us? Why don't we as dads learn the Bible like we ought to and live it as we should and ultimately say, man, if it's good enough for me, I want my family to have it because it's a wonderful life being a Christian. What's happening to us? Maybe we don't really believe it like we think we do. Maybe we don't believe it enough. Maybe we only intellectually grasp these concepts, but we don't internalize these truths. Maybe they're just so distant to us because we're so unfamiliar with them. I don't know why. But may I say this? As I look at a generation of young people falling by the wayside in our world today, I'm telling you that the biggest reason for it is that God is not big in homes. It's not about the failure of the church necessarily, although there's a huge failure of churches. It's not about the fact that we're going off the deep end and we're becoming more liberal and away from truth of the word of God and more humanistic in our thinking in the house of God. I'm talking about the fact that the home today is not Christ-centered. The home today is with a book that has no power because we really don't necessarily believe it the way we say we do. I just want to say, what if? What if this is true? What if you will stand and give an account, Dad, for your being a dad and how you father your children? I'm just going to say it. I personally think we need to reevaluate how important sports are compared to God in his house. Yeah. 
I mean, if this book is true, I wonder if my son will stand before God and give an account for how he played baseball. I wonder. I don't see it anywhere in Scripture, but then again, maybe you do. I don't think you found it either. But why is it that some things are so important to us? I believe in education. I believe every child ought to get a good education. If it's available to them, get a good one. But how come that is more important than a Bible education? What's wrong with us? What if? I guess I just wanted to ask that simple question because I believe that if we really get a grasp on the truth of this book, I believe it will affect our lives. I believe it will affect our marriages. I believe it will have a profound effect on our homes and our children like no other belief will. May God help us. What about you today? I wonder. I wonder today. Do you believe that this book, the Bible, is indeed the Word of God and that what it says is true and that every truth in it is true? Do you? Dad, then learn it, then live it, and then lead. And if you don't know for sure heaven's your home and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus who died on the cross to pay for your sin, I want you to know that he loved you so much he died in your place. That he literally paid your sin debt so that you wouldn't have to, but you have to accept and receive him. Not say a set of words, not just fulfill a plan, not just go through a road. You need a person, Jesus Christ. May God help us as he speaks to your heart and draws you today. As he says to you, it's time that you trust me. You need me. You're a sinner and you need me. You respond to that. You obey that voice, his voice. And his dads, let's learn it. Let's live it and let's lead. Father, we come to you. We thank you again.